Daniel Alter for three years. I've been trying to get this man on. I remember sitting at lunch with Mark Hughes many a time, asking him, "Hey, Mark, do you think that Dan would come on the show?" And after a couple times of hitting him up on Twitter, I'm very happy to have him on tonight, talking so much Batman, talking with Dark Knight Returns, one of his favorite comics. That's what I want to talk with him, man. We're going to do some uh, fan casting at the end of the podcast as well, so make sure you put your earbuds in and listen. So what was your first interaction with the character of Batman? Was it the, the com- Was it a comic book? Uh, was it the 66 TV series? Was it Tim Burton's Batman? Tell us about your first interaction. You know what? I don't even think, to be honest, I, I bet you it's something more obscure. Because I think when you're dealing with some of these characters, and they are mythic characters, right? You know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man, the Hulk, take your pick, Marvel, DC, whatever. I equate them much like Star Wars to being American mythology. And with regard to those characters, my first interaction is probably a, 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 at a birthday party with a napkin or, or some sort of, you know, some sort of consumer product bearing their resemblance i mean they are so embedded um you know my first you know real interaction is probably the tim burden movie um i remember when that film was coming out and, and as a result of that film coming out they were bringing back the 60s series with adam west so those those yes it would be those two and and it, the, the the primary manner which i follow with the characters is definitely the burden film but my initial exposure to him is probably something so uh, innocuous that I couldn't even tell you what it is. So what what is it about the character of Batman that has kind of endured with you throughout the years? Is it the gadgets, the villain, the character himself, his relationship with Alfred? What has kind of kept him like in the forefront of your life? Well, it's, it's probably all of the above. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's, he's an amazing creation. He's, he's transcended so many other iterations that other people beyond his original creation have come and done, uh, you know, in terms of their take on the character and brilliant uh, takes of the character. I love the gadgets. I love the fact that he's this playboy. I love the fact that in a world of superheroes, he's the ordinary guy. I think those are all the relatable elements that we all gravitate towards and that make him such this iconic character. Uh, he's, 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 you know, fundamentally, this he relates to everybody in a way other superheroes can't because he's a vigilante. He's the guy that we all kind of at one point think we could actually be. When did you get a copy of The Dark Knight Returns, and what was it like for you to hold that and read that for the first time? Well, The Dark Knight Returns is probably my favorite graphic novel of all time. Yes. Uh, I, I think, you know, I already knew what it was. Um, I'm 35. You guys are younger than me, but there are some people even older than me now who actually remember that book coming out and, and probably experienced it as it was. I, speaking of the Tim Burton film and the 
old series. I grew up my my initial exposure to the character, you know, from as I said, where it's wherever it was embedded from, and then loving the Burton film and the the Adam West series. I already loved Batman, and then I became a comic book fan subsequent to that. And the Dark Knight Returns was something that was held up as a reader of Wizard magazine and a huge comic book fanboy that I was, and I worshipped all the image guys. The Dark Knight Returns was was along with Watchmen held up as the the, the grand all be all, the the greatest graphic novel ever. So it was probably in my my teen years, my early teen years, that I uh, read it finally and thought, my God, this is the most incredible thing. This isn't just a comic book; it's a film come to life. What are some of the things that, when you were younger, The Dark Knight Returns, like, let me think of how to word this. What are, what were the things that it did for you back when you were younger, and now as a like an older, mature comic book reader, what, what do you find that you take away differently from that, that graphic novel? Well, I mean, it was a game changer. I mean, I, I was, it, it's, again, tracking back, I have to look at Batman as the character that made me fall in love with comics. And... Uh, you know, it, 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 Dark Knight, Batman and the X Men. To be honest, because also the, the X Men series had a huge yeah. um, effect on me. And but and and the cultural uh, relevance at the time of the death of Superman, which had kind of transcended being a comic, and everybody was talking about. But for me, as somebody who then started to read comics, and I got obsessed with them, and I would read them weekly, and I would go back and buy all the old stuff that preceded my time, which was a lot of the Spider-Man in the Black Costume, or a lot of old X-Men stuff, the Dark Phoenix Saga. Going back and picking up Dark Knight Returns, this was seminal, you could tell, because as I get older, and you ask that question, you, you realize how next-gen and radical it was. Yeah. It was it was adult. I mean, it was the creation of the graphic novel. Batman was taking this mythic character that we all love that can be interpreted in so many different ways. Dark Knight Returns just literally is the most iconic complex story ever because it's, it's, you don't have a movie with like Logan, which I love without yes. the Dark Knight Returns. You don't have old man Logan. You don't have any of those pieces of literature without the Dark Knight Returns. It changed mm -hmm. everything in comics. It created the idea of, looking at characters and deconstructing characters and talking about their evolution beyond them in their prime. It, it, it just, it changed everything. It, it's, it's, it's seminal. It, it was really, it, it was really just a little bit of like gore away from being, uh, I, for lack of a better term, like an R rated comic book. It, it was really, oh, ahead of it, its time. It, I mean, it totally is. I mean, you, you guys must be familiar with the animated version. Oh that yeah. Is, uh, you know, basically an R rated Batman film. It, and I definitely. love watching that, by the way. I watch it all the time. I watch it over the weekend. It's incredible. It's, it's terrific. I, everything Jay Oliva touches is gold almost. So <laughs> most definitely. Most definitely. No, it's 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 a seminal piece, and I think it's you've seen its influence on on Tim Burton when he made his Batman film. You saw its influence on Christopher Nolan, and you've seen its influence on Zack Snyder. I think it it influences anybody who tackles Batman post his existence. The Dark Knight Returns is such an important piece. Mm -hmm. is, is there an image or a moment in that book or in that film we've had jay levy on a couple times that just just like when you show someone or you talk about it the dark knight returns to someone you just point to that single image or that single that thing it's like you got to read this because of this right here yeah i mean i think it's the cliched answer it goes back to the book I and mean, it's when batman is leaning over superman and you know telling him in his darkest moments you know to remember who beat him i, I just think that is sort of the again that it, it, it 
if you look at the creation of the comic book, if you go back to the 30s and all these characters started in the 40s and the DC and the Marvel and the, these the, the evolution of these characters, I don't think there was much more you could really do with them. And I feel Frank Miller just took it to a place where he, he laid it out all on the table. And, you know, he, he finally deconstructed Super Friends, the idea of Batman and Superman and, and how they really feel about each other and how they would really operate in this grounded real world that would exist and how superheroes did. So, you know, to, to get, I like to, you know, I blow up a, a question with this long answer because that is just everything. I mean, that, that moment meant everything. Batman had beaten Superman. I think that was a, that was very iconic. It, 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 speaking of this, the, the primal appeal of the character and how we all see ourselves in Batman, we don't see ourselves in really any other character. It's very hard to relate to any other character. He had taken down Superman. That's very important. That that's very interesting. That's very novel. What were some of the things that you obviously uh, BBS was it was it was liked by fans and hated by critics and vice versa. But right. I mean, pretty much as a as a whole for the three of us, Shailene on Batman, we all liked the movie more than the average critic for sure. But right, I mean. Not that it was cookie cutter, The Dark Knight Returns, but there was a lot of elements taken from it. Sure. Was there anything that you really wanted to see in that film from The Dark Knight Returns that we didn't get the chance to see? You know what? Honestly, no, because you know, yeah. we talk about BBS. I'm an apologist for BBS. Yeah. And I say that, you know, as someone, because that's a film that took a critical drubbing. It's a film that, that ultimately made a very decent amount of money at the box office, but honestly made a lot less than it should have. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, for me, a movie that I had, I went to go see it about four times in the theater. I've seen it how many times, I can't even tell you subsequently at, at home, the extended edition, which is much better. But uh, fundamentally, it, it just failed. Uh, I don't lay the blame of that on the director at all, by the way, because you had too many cooks in the kitchen on that film, I feel. And it, it, but, but it's a movie that in terms of Dark Knight Returns, I got really all that I wanted out of the Dark Knight Returns of that movie. I, I never wanted Batman versus Superman. As a guy who could tell you that my favorite graphic novel of all time is the Dark Knight Returns, I was always a little wary about there being too much of that in Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Because I really wanted that to be more about the first time they met. Dark Knight Returns is not about that, going back to what we were just speaking about. Dark Knight Returns is, is, about a world in which they all coexist. That's that's something where the shared universe offers us opportunities to explore and get there. With the, the Batman versus Superman, in many ways, the ill-informed take from day one was having the verse in the title. I never really wanted that for the first time in that. Yeah, that, the title in a sense is almost misleading for what the film is actually trying to tell you, you know? Yes. Totally. I mean, it's a, it's a Trinity movie and a Justice League Zero is really what it is. Nice. Um, but, but you know, that, that title, while misleading, them fighting when they first meet is fine. But the, the less of Dark Knight Returns they use in that is also fine with me because ultimately one day I would like a very faithful Dark Knight Returns adaptation. And I don't think that the current DC universe can't evolve into that. We'll, we'll get to that Dark Knight Returns live-action film later. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, Kyle, I know you've been dying to ask a question. Go for it. Yeah, so um, we've already mentioned recent cinemas here. Um, 
let's let's go back to like a classic Batman here. Like, do you remember the first time you saw the '89 version? Did you see it in the theater? Or was it a uh, at home no. somewhere? No, no, I saw it. My uh, my dad took me to see that movie opening day. I I couldn't wait to see that movie. That was I was seven years old when that film came out. That movie was. Uh, the most anticipated movie of my life. I totally remember seeing it. I saw it three times in the theater, which at the time was a record. I didn't beat that record until a few years later when I saw Jurassic Park four times, and then a few more years later when I saw Independence Day like six times. We should stop me keep going to those numbers. But yes, I'm very confident that time. So what was it like seeing that film for the first time on the big screen? You got Michael Keaton versus Jack Nicholson. You're with your dad. What what was it like? Did your dad enjoy the film as much as you did? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was he was he had grown up with the sixties um, the sixties you know TV series, which as I said, they were I think heavily re airing because of the film coming out. And you know, again, my that was I lo- look. I said you guys, I saw it three times. I hadn't seen the other film before three times. That film was everything to me. It, it, the Danny Elfman score, Michael Keaton, oh. Jack Nicholson as the Joker. That movie was my life. I mean, there is. There is no doubt it's one of the foremost influential films in me wanting to be in the film industry. I'd be falling in love with that character. Uh, it was it was a pivotal moment for me. It's it's one of the most um, important movies in my life. Uh, and, and and yet, uh, it's certainly not my favorite Batman movie as I get older. But but at the time, it was everything. We're gonna get to that soon too. But I want to stay back, kind of back. Sure, you said sure, you were seven sure. years old when you seen eighty nine. So you were born in Tarzana, California, right? Is that it? Was. Nice it? Yes. Was. With, uh, yeah. with, with Mr. John Lovitz, who was also born there too. Don't forget that. Okay. But uh, <laughs> anyway, what was the, uh, what was the culture like there growing up for comic books? Was it easy to like get to them? Cause you go to the store and they were on like the spin rack or was there a comic book shop in town? Like how did that work out for you? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I had a comic book store. I grew up in the, the San Fernando Valley. That's I had, I had, Several comic book stores. I mean, Ventura Boulevard in the San Fernando Valley is is basically home central for comic book stores in Los Angeles slash that valley, that area. So I was it was always very accessible. And Batman the movie, along with the X Men animated series and the Batman animated series, and like I said before, the, the death of Superman, all that. I think that sort of that was sort of the all came together to sort of inform me at a young age going to the store and the Marvel trading cards. That was a huge part of it oh, as well. Yeah. Um, that was my, that was my childhood. I mean, that was, that was it. That was, that, that was literally it. Was that like the thing to do where you were at or were you kind of in the small group of outcast kids? Uh, F no, that was not the thing to do. <laughs> um, no, man, I was a, I was a, no, no, no. I was a pudgy kid and, so and was, you know, we the all? cool kids were in the music and sports, and I was in the movies and comic books. Fair enough. Um, and, and I happily own that now as revenge in the culture. <laughs> <laughs> as you should. As I, but, but, you know, whatever. I Listen, you know, it's funny. I got older and like sports and music, too. But, I, but no, when I was – my love of comics was not something that was cool. That was something that actually I, – I was on the football team when I was in junior high, and I had to keep okay. that, that – a secret in fact that was my next question did you have that point yeah yeah Yeah, that was the next question like did you have the point where you had to hide it for the girls and for the the like the the dude respect and stuff like yeah yeah yeah. i mean my friends were all into you know music and sports and i actually was a big guy and then i got into football legit not because i cared about football but just because i wanted to be popular yeah 
And, and it was like, oh, okay. And then suddenly like yeah, all my interests didn't matter. You know, they were all into, everybody else was like all the cool kids going into something that totally me I didn't care about. So, cause I just cared about Star Wars and <laughs> yes. Marvel and DC and Star Trek. Like that's my jam. Sorry. So yeah. So Batman, the animated series, uh, we've had, you know, so many episodes where we just gush about that. Yes. The greatest, it's the greatest iteration of Batman ever. I mean, that's hundred percent, yeah. you know, honestly. Yeah. Looking back on it now that we're both, we're all, we're all older. Um, where, where, what, where does that, uh, that it's nostalgia for all of us, obviously, but seeing that when you were, you know, a young kid, what was that feeling of seeing that and then kind of like growing up with it? Because you, you never go away from the animated series. It's always in the peripheral, like yes. of our lives. Right. Well, well, that's the thing, you know, as great as Tim Burton's film was, and it was everything and that Danny Elfman score was everything. It was Batman the Animated Series that ultimately seeded or, you know, my love of comics in many ways, because you get introduced by the big, huge film and the imprint that it creates, and everything trickles down from that. And at some point, it's descending into this, you know, horrible, you know, third and fourth movie that we don't want to ever talk about, right? But, you know, during that time, the Animated Series is thriving and is doing all this cool stuff with characters that you wish were in the movies, but aren't in the movies. And if you want to get more of that, you go back to the source material, it's the comics. And now, as you bring up the terms of being peripheral, always there, we now live in the culture that is actually put in all the films. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's weird because it seems like even like the X-Men stuff, like we're huge X-Men fans as well. And the X-Men, the animated series is almost toe to toe with as good as the Batman the animated series. That's sure. Last Season, that last season of that show got a little wonky for me, but that's for a whole, that's for like a whole, a whole other discussion. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I love that. Like I said, you, I mean, those two things, they were, they were pivotal and iconic for me. I think if I were probably to, to look back, I think that the work that they were doing on the Batman the Animated Series was maybe a little more, you know, even elevated and reference standard. But uh, ultimately, I, those two pieces had a huge and tremendous influence in my life. Guys, perfect example of like Justin said, always being in the periphery. My son was playing a game on the Xbox the other day. I don't even know what he was playing, but it was one of those games where people make levels and what whatnot. But it was the 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 music playing behind it was the theme song for the animated X-Men. And like it, yeah, yeah, and it stuck in my head, and it, I didn't catch it, and I was doing my thing. I was playing Breath of the Wild, and I was just, like, paying attention to that, and then I started thinking about it, and then it got in my head, and, -na 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 -na, and I was like, oh, my God, there it is. You know, he has no clue, but it's always there. That, that was a really good way to put it. I think all these things, you know, for us, it was the X-Men animated series and the Batman animated series and Spider-Man animated series somewhat, and if you go back... Uh, a couple of generations beforehand, uh, the influence that the Incredible Hulk or the Wonder Woman series or the George Reeves Superman, they all have influences on respective works that came out, you know, whether it's been the Hulk of today or whether it's now Wonder Woman or the Chris Reeves Superman. So whatever plays a big part in a generation's childhood, these iconic IP 10 or 20 years later, the next generation is going to pay some homage to that. 
before we get into Chris Nolan's Batman talk, I was going to ask you, do you read the Dark Knight Returns like annually or do you just kind of like pick it up like, oh, I need to check this out or are you just kind of like popping the DVD all the time? I got to tell you, I see it's so sad. I've got them lazy. I, I don't pop them the DVD because I have it on my uh, streaming. Um, I own it in my digital locker because um, I've become one of those people. But uh, I put that on more than I actually read the book and I'm kind of ashamed about that. But I, I do. But I love the film, so I, I don't want to take any away from the film. But I, when I say the shame, I just mean that, like, I actually don't go back to the book enough when the book is so great. And I have my copy of the book. I still have my copy of the graphic novel that I got, like, 30 years ago or 20 years ago. So awesome. and, I, and, I, and I need to go pace through it more. So Batman Begins. Ooh. Yes. There, that, for me, it's always been a toss-up between Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, Um but Chris Nolan comes on to the scene um, after Batman and Robin. Like that, that movie, like we tried to steer clear of talking that film. Without that film, you don't, you don't get to Chris Nolan. Right. Uh, so what would, when 2003, 2004 come around, you start hearing rumblings that there's going to be a new Batman film. Were you nervous after the, after what Joel Schumacher, uh, after what Joel Schumacher did with the Batman. Yeah, I mean, again, like, look, the the, the Tim Burton movie, you know, I said three times in the theater was everything for me. Batman Returns, I loved. You get a little older, you become a comic book fan, you start to kind of realize some of the grievances, you know, some people have with those films. Um, you 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 know, flash forward, you just had the Sam Raimi Spider Man movie be huge. They're making this Hulk movie. X-Men has been big. There's a you know huge sequel for that. So the the climate, you know, at Warner's is they gotta, you know, get their crap together with Superman and Batman. And they were, you know, for years trying to figure out another Batman movie. So when when I first heard about it, I was very skeptical. Um, I thought Chris Nolan was an interesting choice, but I thought he was kind of a dark filmmaker. And I was worried that, you know, frankly. You know, him and Christian Bale from American Psycho, all dark stuff, all people who would make it dark and cool. But I was worried that that would it be broad, honestly. And uh, I actually had read the screenplay early and was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. I mean, this, the, when, when you had that, you know, twist with the Joker card and everything. And I was like, OK, this is this is pretty cool. But it wasn't until I saw the film. I remember seeing that film opening night. And I remember I was blown away the way that Nolan pulled it all together, the editing, the music. It, there's such emotion, the music, just such emotion. And I, I, I thought it was really quickly overnight, became one of my favorite comic book films. It kind of changed everything for me. I, I was someone who always loved the Burden film so much, didn't understand people who didn't get the Burden film. And, or as I said, I kind of did, but I didn't, I understood the grievances, but I was like, come on, what are you going to do? And when you watch Batman Begins, I was like, Oh, you can actually make the real life superhero movie. You can actually ground in our universe. Absolutely. The, what was weird for me seeing that movie was the the it was opening night. I think it played on a Wednesday. They opened it on a Wednesday. They were very confident with the uh, the movie. They wanted to get the word of mouth out early. Yes. And the, mm -hmm. and the the theater was like half empty. Mine too. Yeah. And it's like man, like, this cannot be another. But when the when it when the when the previews were over with and then you, that you saw the first like few minutes and the fights, Bruce Wayne fights without the mask on and everything. He's like, Ooh, I'm in. 
So after that, I was like, I was like telling all my friends, like, you really got to go see this Batman Begins. They're like, no, I, that last Batman movie was terrible. It was like, it was like there was like in our like our little like Tom knows, but in our little community, <laughs> we would we would sit and be like, look, go see this film. Like it's something you've never seen before. Right, right. No, yeah. I mean, I couldn't wait to show it to people. I, I, I will say this to you guys. It was a life changing moment for me because the it, it's a harbinger for the era that we live in. Tim Burton's Batman growing up was one of my favorite films. And a lot of my favorite films growing up haven't changed. They're still the same, the same movies, right? Right. But Burton's Batman is not, honestly. Because what I learned after I saw Batman Begins is that these characters were bigger than any filmmaker or any film they could ever be in. They were just my favorite characters. And that you could they would just last forever and be around in so many different iterations. The, the Nolan trilogy as a whole is just one of those things where you, it was hard to predict what was going to happen with the, the whole series of movies there before it actually happens. Like I said, the there wasn't really too much indication what we were going to expect after uh, Schumacher's Batman's. I mean, yeah. sure, you can look at some of Nolan's movies. They weren't super well known before then, but it, you, you didn't know what the, the formula was going to be like. And once that first one hit, it kind of just changed the whole game for for a lot of superhero movies in general. So oh, it, it, totally, totally. Go on that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, totally. I mean, it, look, it, it, it was an earlier, you're talking 2005 and Batman Begins came out. That was about two years after X-Men 2, which was also terrific. Yep. Uh, and, and it was a few years after Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2. It was a year of Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. That was really the beginning of this era that we live in, where you were starting to get, you know, really the, the grounded real-life superhero movie. And you had to have, I think... The Sam Raimi Spider-Man films and the Chris Nolan Batman films do what they did before you could start to get the shared universe kind of movies. So after the card flip and Batman begins, and the, we, we we hear that Heath Ledger has been cast as the Joker, and the whole world wanted to like kill Chris Nolan. Were you one of those people who were like, "Oh my God, they're gonna ruin the Joker after Jack Nicholson with that casting"? <laughs> no, yeah, no, guys, I've learned to stop. You know, look. Um, when they first cast Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, I was like, wait, what? I didn't get that. Totally honest, right? Mm-hmm. And I can't ever imagine anybody else being that character. I mean, that's just, I, to me, he is the embodiment of that character. And when they first cast him, I was like, well, really? I, I just didn't get it. You know, I've learned way before that to not even, you know, start to be so... You know, everybody hated on Affleck, and I think I was one of the first most vocal supporters of that casting. You you have to trust in directors. You have to trust in their vision. Once in a while, you're going to get something awful. I mean, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor to me is one of the worst things that ever happened. But but for the most part, I'm very trustworthy of letting people do things and seeing how they turned out. I thought it was an interesting choice when they cast Heath, and obviously that proved to be a brilliant choice. I was always down with it. So you... You you had to do it. You brought it up. You brought up Batfleck. I want to know which, how can you not exactly? How can you not? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is Tom. Tom is talking. If you got hate, you can you can send it to me. Batman base slap everywhere on the internet. But uh, I, Ben Affleck is like my definitive Batman. He's he's the yeah. shit. He is the shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. it don't get better than him in that suit and him as Bruce Wayne. I mean, there's been guys that have nailed one, but exactly. he's knocked the both of them out of the park. He is, he's a living embodiment of Bruce Wayne, 
and Batman. What do you think about it, that? If you don't like Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne or Batman, you don't know Bruce Wayne or Batman. Yes. Uh, we all just discussed the animated series, which is the best you know, adaptation of the comics in terms of Batman. The best live-action Batman is Ben Affleck. Uh, yes. my, is Batman vs. Superman my favorite Batman movie? No. Hell no. Mm-hmm. But 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 taking that aside, when it comes to the guy as playing Bruce Wayne or as Batman, that is Batman. That, that is absolutely Batman. I love Tim Burton's film. Michael Keaton was great as Batman. Uh, Bruce Wayne, that's a whole separate issue. I love Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Christian Bale is awesome. We have never had a more definitive Batman than Ben Affleck. That is 100%. If you don't like Ben Affleck, that's fine. But then you don't know Batman. In those fighting scenes, like that 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 main Batman fight where he comes through the, the floor and just takes oh. out a whole small army, that's straight out of the Arkham games. It's just the perfect f- like fighting flow that any Bat fan could ask for. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, we just discussed BVS, and I'll—I don't care. I'll get geeky. And again, I watch this film a lot. Yeah, and, and it's—I I have a lot of problems with the film, but what I enjoy watching the film is almost all the scenes with Affleck. I mean, that's just just straight up. Like, I just—he is Batman when he's scenes where he's scenes where he's walking in the Batcave and the interaction with him and Alfred. I feel like I'm reading the comic books come to life. That they're that that, that is legit Batman. I mean, that is just not taking anyone away from Nolan. who did a wonderful job grounded all and creating, yes. as I said, I think grounded universe. It was cool to watch to have that take on Batman exist. But when you actually talk about a DC adaptation of the comics, the video games and the animation, really what the DC universe is, that is Batman. Agreed. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. What, what, when when Affleck kind of like dropped out as director, were you were you afraid that he might step away from the character as a whole? Petrified, honestly. I mean, I mean, I mean, that to me was was uh, you know I, I was look. He is a great director. He is an absolutely true director. He's awesome, most awesome Batman ever. I, I love Ben Affleck. I've always been a huge fan of him. There was a time people were knocking him. I'm always you can ask anyone who knows me, all my friends, all his team. I always said he's the biggest star on the planet, and now he is, as he always was. Um, to me, when I heard he was going to direct it, it was like the best of both worlds. Well, he's already the most badass Batman, and how can the guy who directed the town and Gone Baby Gone not make the coolest Batman, right? right. You start to hear that he's not going to direct it, and you start to freak out because you think that's a lot of the reason that he wanted to do it. Then you also get the other side where you know you're told, yeah, but you know how can you really train and be in the suit and do all that? It's a very complicated, uh, you know, production already for an actor to then also have to be a director. I was absolutely worried. And then they got one of the greatest directors working on Hollywood today to come in. So I'm not worried now. I'm excited. One of the questions I uh, sent you a DM for was what does Matt Reeves bring to this next uh, iteration of the live action Batman film? Well, I think he brings a ton because I think actually post Chris Nolan, you, you have a very daunting task of being able to tell people who the next director is to take over that character. In the case of Batman vs. Superman, it, it is a hybrid. It is a, it is a Trinity movie, a Justice League Zero movie, all of that. So it's not just a singular Batman movie. I think it was very important messaging-wise who is 
taken over the Batman. And I think Ben Affleck as a director gives a lot of comfort because he's obviously a director of Academy Award winning a movie, right? But when it turns into a situation where he's just going to be the star and we all agree he's the best Batman, you need to then pull up another ace. And they have now picked a triple A filmmaker who, based on what he's so far done with his career, I cannot wait to see what he does with the Batman movies. The, my only concern with him is when you have a uh, the pedigree of Chris Nolan, like he, all his movies felt like bigger than life, larger than life. Shoots with IMAX, you know, that first opening shot of The Dark Knight. You see the buildings and everything and everyone, like in my theory, went, oh, like they, they took their breath away. My only right. concern with, like I think he's a fantastic uh, director. I love his movies. I'm really looking forward to War of the Planet of the Apes. But he shoots a lot, it seems, on set. And the only thing that my mandate for him is to do what Nolan did, shoot it in the real world. Like, do whatever you want to do with it. Like, bring as many villains and characters as you want into it. But shoot it with IMAX, bring it in the real world. Would you agree with that? Would you disagree with that? You know what? I mean, it depends. i got to be honest. Because I, I think – look, I think he as a filmmaker will obviously have his take and his vision. And, and, and I'm interested to see what that is. But also I, I think you have to be respectful to the character in the universe. And I think that what Nolan did – as we talk about this, was terrific. Nolan created a, a Batman universe within our real universe. But guys, I also thought that Dark Knight Rises was tremendously disappointing. Because Ooh. in that case, what I had was a filmmaker trying to now cap the story and end it. And I never, walking out of Dark Knight, wanted one more movie to end it. I wanted the DC universe after I saw the Dark Knight. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, it's a balance for me. I, I love things feeling real but i also want these things to embrace their origins and embrace what they are drawing from and be all they can be so to speak is there any things that he like for you to be satisfied with his vision that he must put into this upcoming film other than batfleck in the role again no and it's funny you should say that because we used to live in a world where a filmmaker comes into a property that we all love. And we're all so used to thinking, oh, they're going to do three of them or whatever, and, and then that's it. And so you better cram everything in there. And speaking of when I just brought up Dark Knight Rises, you know, he did Batman Begins, and then it was about doing the Joker and Two Face. And then we moved on to the third movie, and it was, oh, who's he going to do for the villain? And he did Catwoman and Bane. We never got to see his Penguin or his Riddler or his this or that. I grew up with. Batman as a character that had a rogues gallery of villains. I grew up with that animated series. One of the coolest things for me to jump universes for a second about Marvel when I watch a movie like Age of Ultron is that a year later there's Civil War, which is a de facto Avengers movie. And then there's not one but two more Avengers movies coming, and I'm sure there'll be more after that. With these characters and these properties, for me, I'm not you know, throwing, oh my God, you have to do this because you're only going to make three and you need to make your trilogy and they need to be this way. Ben Affleck has already been introduced as the Batman in BBS. He's cameoed in Suicide Squad. He's coming up in Justice League. I hope that we get more Justice League movies with him and, and one day a Dark Knight Returns movie with him or a Kingdom Come movie with him. And in between, I want to see, you know, three or four Matt Reeves directed Batman movies, but I don't really have anything specifically that he has to do. I have a lot of ideas myself that I would do, I'd like to see, but it's such a wide, 
universe to play with so many opportunities. Nope, I have to see Batman Begins with with Ben Affleck as old Bruce Wayne training Terry McGinnis. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> That's got to be the last Ben Affleck Batman movie. I'm sorry. It has to happen or I can't live. He has to pass the torch on. Yep. You mean he can't just like stop and like go be with a, his girlfriend in a coffee shop somewhere in Italy? Only if Alfred gets to see him <laughs> oh, at the end. That's what I mean, guys. But again, it's like it's like I mean, you're talking to a person who thinks the Dark Knight is scripture, and I watch the Dark Knight Returns. I need a drink. I mean, it's like it's like it's like, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's like I mean, Dark Knight Rises. I mean, I need, it's like whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we doing here? Yeah. It, it, these characters are more important than any filmmaker or any actor who ever tackled them. I will tell you that right now. These characters will have been around before them and will be around after them. And the moment anyone starts to think that they are bigger than these characters, filmmaker or actor, shame on them and karma will get them. Great point. Great point. Wow. <laughs> that was sweet, <laughs> man. <laughs> Preach it. This is the truth. We see it. We see it a lot. I don't have to say it. We see it a lot. So, um, and, and, when, and when you respect them, you get $100 million opening weekend. True that. That's true. Speaking of $100 million opening weekend and above, yeah, we saw that you I, had I, big I said big it from love. day one. Yes, you did. Well, day one, but early on, yeah. Uh, you, you, what, uh, I just seen your tweet earlier, What May 10th it was. You said, what if Wonder Woman opens with $100 million? And here you go. So... Let's get into that and talk some Wonder Woman, man. Yeah, I mean, what did you guys all think of it? Because everyone over knows I love it. Justin, it it was awesome. It, it felt like uh, it felt like I was sitting in front. Like I said, it when we were recording last night, my mom used to sh- sit me in front of the TV when I was younger, and she'd watch uh the Chris Reeve Superman movie, and it felt like uh, I was watching you know Wonder Woman, but with like the nostalgia of Chris Reeve, and I can't wait to take my mom to see Wonder Woman. That's awesome. I took my mom to see it on Friday. Oh wow! Yeah, I uh, I was I was very 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 pleased with it. I thought it was beautiful, and for it being the first film that's been under the total supervision of the the now DC films and Jeff the new Jones, regime, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that being the first film that came out of that camp, being the way that it is, I would say that's like that's some solid brick and mortar to, to like lay the foundation for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I saw it. And I think it was like the first screening they did uh, at the Warner lot. Wow. And I was so nervous guys, but yeah, because you know, you know, to me, I mean, BVS, we just talked about, that's kind of a convoluted mess. She's one of the bright spots. Suicide squad. Speaking of Batman. I mean, you can, well, we can get, I think that movie is just atrocious. Hmm. Um, you know, Man of Steel. I'm a big fan apologist for. I know yep. a lot of people got their issues with. We can we can have a whole hour or two hour talk about that movie. But but you know, for general audiences, just for anybody, I saw Wonder Woman and I was like, I mean, you just said about my tweet or whatever saying to make a hundred million. I watched that. I was like, oh, we have a total audience movie here. We have a total general audience movie. You know, kind of what Marvel does that DC hadn't done yet. And it was perfect, honestly. Like, like I mean, you can you can pick, and I have picked, and they're all things. But ultimately, it's kind of a perfect movie. It's a perfect summer popcorn movie. It just hits every single note that it needs to hit. 
I'm so happy for them. I'm so optimistic about the direction going forward. I cannot even begin to tell you how how just honestly thankful I am. I'm like it was, before we started recording. I said like it it felt like it had the fingerprints of Jeff Jones just all over. All over. Mm-hmm. So well, very happy. Look, it, it makes me even more excited for Justice League going forward. Yeah, well, they, well, you've got a. I mean, you have a you have an MVP there with him. I mean, he can be. He's the ultimate, you know, creative, you know, guru who can who can you know reference. He can reference what others have done, or he can bring his own brilliance into it. Honestly, so it, it's the best of both worlds. It, he 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 can totally help creatively steer that stuff and make sure that you never get into bad spots like there have been in the past. How did you feel about? the opening of uh the opening of wonder woman where we see the wayne enterprises truck roll up and the briefcase handoff and blah 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 like how did you feel about them kind of bringing that into the story and making it one giant flashback so you mean the the scene in the third viewing where i nudged my mom to make sure she sees it it's the wayne truck um Um, i love that because because again the 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 movie is great here's the thing if if they had just made this movie and Gal had just been introduced in this movie and she hadn't been introduced in the BBS movie. It would have still been a great movie without any connection to DC Universe. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is why it's so creatively successful, right? Yeah. But it is in the DC Universe. So how can I not geek out when you see the way Enterprises uh, thing? But it was just handled so subtly and so respectfully. And I really appreciate it and loved it for that. I mean, I've seen it three times, guys. I've seen it at least once more in the theaters, probably twice more, honestly. I mean, don't be surprised if by the time Wonder Woman leaves theaters, I saw it six times. It, it's, it's, it's such a success. I'm so happy for the character. Uh, Patty Jenkins, man, I've been a fan of her for such a long time. And Jeff Johns, uh, you know, come on. I mean, he's, he's obviously, he's one of us. So, um, yeah, and Chris Pine is awesome. I mean, that, this is the deal. That awesome. movie just works on every level. Every level. There, there's nothing else more, more wonderful I can keep saying about it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, like, with such a huge success now coming our way here, um, does that affect your opinion of upcoming projects much? Like, are you still as excited or are you more excited for potential, like, Joss Whedon Batgirl, for example? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm excited about almost anything Josh Whedon does. I'm a huge Josh Whedon fan, you know, going all the way back not to Buffy, but, you know, you kids probably don't know that he broke onto the scene with this amazing spec script like 30 years ago called Suspension, <laughs> which is one of the greatest screenplays anybody has ever written in Hollywood. So I adore Josh Whedon. Um, I love the first Avengers. I uh, leaned over to my buddy Adrian with one of the first screens in the movie, and I said, "This movie is making 500 million domestic when nobody thought it would even hit 400 million domestic." And he, to this day, is like, well, "How'd you know that?" Like, I just, I knew in that helicarrier scene, like, forget it. Like, this movie is going to levels that nobody can even imagine. Um, you know, I, I tell you what, I'm excited about. I'm excited about Joss Whedon's uh, participation right now in. Uh, helping out with JLA, and, and, and I think they should uh, make him part of the family. I want to see his Batgirl, or, or maybe he should do like the Kingdom Come movie or something, honestly. I, mm. I, I, he's a real talent, so now that he's part of the DC Universe, I'd be interested to see anything he does. That's that, that's just like second or third time you've brought up a Kingdom Come movie. Like, What do you want to see with that? Well, I guess, I mean, I'm geeking out, but I guess like... No, that's I awesome. Feel like, 
I just feel like the world they have right now, uh-huh. um, it's it's like you can do anything. And that's what I mean. It's like I love, you know, I, I, I never thought this world would come. I, let, me, let me tell you guys this. No, no. As somebody who grew up in Marvel and DC, I never thought we'd live in this world. Ironically, I never thought we'd live in a shared universe world of Marvel and DC making shared. Universe. I never thought that's too good to be true. Yes. So, so once you live in that world, now I want to see all the cool stuff. I, I want Dark Knight Returns. I want Kingdom Come. Uh, same way we're getting Infinity War. I wish they were doing Secret Wars. I want Crisis. I just want all these stories. Like, there's so many great stories that you can bring to life on screen. So uh, now it's like we're doing the first Justice League movie. We'll see how that does, but. Uh, there's other amazing canon stories that they can go adapt I, for Batman. I mean, we're talking Batman. I want Red Hood. That's what I want for Batman. Oh, oh, so yes. much. Oh. <laughs> oh no, sorry. But, but I mean, there's, there's just so much you can draw, right? Uh, it's the it's the best just pool of bad guys in the history of anything ever. In well, they should do, they should do and... Red Hood because that's like their winter soldier if they do that. That's I mean, true. If you just want to be like, that, that's an opportunity for them. That's very true. I just had an orgasm everywhere. I <laughs> I mean, they already Yikes. kind of have the setup for that there they in the universe. It's, it's completely set up. To me, it's like, that should be the next movie. I don't know if Matt Reeves is the podcast. I don't know if Jeff does. <laughs> oh, he whatever. listens. They listen. You know, you know, Guys, just do Red Hood. It's like you got put Joker in it, put put Jared Leto in it, put you know, yes. you know introduce introduce a new Roz and Talia, and and just have Red Hood. Everyone loves Nightwing. They love Robin. They love Dick Grayson. It's awesome. You get to put him in there. Red Hood. Come on, that's the Winter Soldier. Boom. That that that's that's the next movie. I and mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's what I want. We see the suit. Let me go clean myself up. Hold on. One second. <laughs> I, we already seen the suit in the Batcave. It's already set up. It's, it's good to go. Up. Let's just do it. Just, just take it and run with it, you know? Oh, just do it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so you said, uh, well, let me, let me ask this. Is there, obviously you said you want to do Red, but is there any other Batman story or comic book, graphic novel that you want to see be made into a live action film that has it like i already know what you're gonna say yeah you know i'm gonna say dark knight returns and, and, and again i think that 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 while it's had a huge influence on every filmmaker who's tackled the property outside the animated movie which is terrific we've yet to see the live action dark knight returns and all the pieces are there from them now do it if they want to who would you want to let's let's do like, we're gonna let's start winding it down let's use some fan cast who would you want to direct that film and then let's go down like the list of characters like batman dent yendel all those well i'll tell you what i'll tell you who i want to direct that film is matt reeves because he's in charge of batman right now and i think that the batman dark knight returns should exist it, it, that that to me is you, you say i keep saying kingdom come i guess what i'm saying is in my view Kingdom Come and Dark Knight Returns are the movies that they can eventually get to in this current iteration. I'm going to say George Miller. I just want to see George Miller. That works, oh, too. You that works too. I got no problem yep. with that. That works too. Yep. <laughs> um, who would you like to, who would you like cast as the older, like I already know what you're going to say, but who would you like to be cast um, as Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman, in your, in your version of the Dark Knight Returns? Again, I mean, look, years ago, it would have been Clint Eastwood, but I think right now what they did was they cast a guy who's a, you know, mature, you know, not any get some young, you know, boy toy. They, they got a mature man to be Batman, and sounds like he's invested. 
and I think that he should stay on board and eventually do a Dark Knight Returns movie. If, if let's, for whatever strange, odd reason where Affleck says, you know what, I've done my 10 Batman movies, I'm going to let someone else, you know, do do uh, the Dark Knight Returns, which I could never see that happening. Um, who would you cast? I can't. I can't. You guys are trying to, I can't. I don't know who. Because Clint <laughs> would have been it for years, but he's way too old now anyway. I mean, I just, I can't even, I mean, there are some great, I mean, Mel Gibson maybe or somebody would be awesome, but I just, I, you know, ultimately to me, it's like, I just, I, I the, the, the set piece is there. I want to see Batfleck be it. That's awesome. Uh, um, Let's get Michael Keaton back. Um, I mean, again, that's, that's cool. I know what you're saying, but like, <laughs> come on, you know? Um, Dent, do you have anyone for Dent? Well, well, you know, it's the same thing. So again, so we talk about Dark Knight Returns. It's the greatest comic book ever, but that's why we're talking about this. Dark Knight Returns as a comic book, as a graphic novel, it's the first graphic novel. It operates on this idea of you have all these histories of characters and the readership was used to having different artists and writers come in. And so that's how it kind of, it, it, it used that. If you're going to go continuity wise though, I would like them to cast a new Harvey Dent mm-hmm. in the Matt Reeves movies. I would like to finally have the Bruce Wayne best friend Harvey Dent. What I mean is I would have him and someone like Idris Elba or John Hamm going yes. out and, and to restaurants <laughs> and like hooking up with hot chicks and getting in Bruce's limo and all that jazz. And then that friend of his becomes Two-Face. I want Two-Face. You talk about a character. I, I absolutely love how they handle Two-Face in the Dark Knight, but we never got that situation where Bruce and Harvey were best friends. I always thought that Ideally, the Dark Knight that, that Harvey Dent needed to be Harvey Dent through an entire movie and not even become Two Face at the end of a movie because that would be such an emotional villain for Bruce to go up later. Uh, you had me at John Hamm. Yeah, that's <laughs> Justin's favorite. He's not going to shut up about that forever now. Thanks, Dan. The magic word. <laughs> because he's like the dark Bruce Wayne. So he should be. Because to me, you don't do Dark Knight Returns until you also kind of do Long Halloween. You know? <sighs> Mm-hmm. And 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 I want to see you know Matt Reeves. I want Matt Reeves to kind of do Long Halloween. That's what I kind of want. Yes, Red Hood and Long Halloween. That's what I want. I'm sold. So let's let's get out of the fan casting while still doing a little fan casting, talking about stuff like that. What do you think about the uh, the Josh Gad Penguin stuff that we've been seeing on the internet highway lately? I pay little attention to that stuff, honestly. Okay. Ironically, you guys That's might fair. think I do more, but I, I kind of like, I kind of get on Twitter because I'll kind of hear something, what's up, and I'll kind of say or this. Um, he'd be interesting. I mean, that's fine. I, I don't know enough to kind of comment. That's um, fair. I, I, I definitely think that you know, I never got to see Nolan's take on the Penguin or Riddler, and I really was, you know, I remember they were interesting, you know, names float around and concepts float around. Who knows? Those are rumors or what? So that'd be cool. I'm down with that. Alfred Molina for me, if I was the cast, I think that he. I uh, think that's a little cooler, to be honest. Like him, like him as Doc Ock in Spider-Man Two, for me will always go down as one of the best cinematic versions of a villain of all time. Just how he kind of totally. like, I don't know. Like I, I love Spider-Man. The last few movies it kind of sucks. So I'm looking. I'm hoping that uh, this Tom Holland Spider-Man solo film will. Will will pop for me. Though a Betty man, I think it will. Um, do we have anything else, guys? I'm I'm wrapping up, man. <laughs> We've hit everything. I mean, yeah. I'm sure Dan's okay if we let him get to his night. Where can we find you on social media, Dan? 
You can find me at dalter 7 on Twitter. Nice. And uh, you know, I'm always I'm always there. I'm always trolling and reading and tweeting <laughs> and retweeting and liking and blah 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 because that's my jam. And uh, I love all this stuff. What are you working on that we need to uh, be looking out for in the near future, man? Ah, guys, I'm working on a bunch of stuff. Honestly, who knows? Who knows what will happen? One day we'll get this. Uh, I'm involved in that Hackslash TV show, which is based on the Hackslash comic. One day that'll get going. A couple of these things we'll see. But, you know, it's 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 a grind. I wish I was making these movies. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, it's a grind. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. Hopefully we can do it again sometime soon, man. You guys are awesome. Anytime, seriously. It's just a pleasure to talk about this stuff. I'm so happy One Groom did what it did this weekend. You just, for us to, you know, we, we kind of got a place here now. We've got a Marvel Universe that is just kicking and screaming. And now you've got a DC Universe that seems to be finding its way. I'm really excited about James Wan's Aquaman. I'm really excited about you know, so developments with Justice League right now. Uh, I'm really excited with Matt Reeves. So I, I just, I love all this stuff. I'm so happy. Okay, so I'm going to suggest before you take off a book for you to pick up, check, if you haven't, check out Zero Year. Like, the, it's like a, it's like a quasi Batman Begins, but it, it takes the, like the Riddler's like, like this, like that to me is the best iteration of the Riddler. And if you ever like, that's my kind of hope for like a Matt Reeves. At I don't think I've read it. Who wrote that? It, it was Scott Snyder. It was um, New Fifty Two. Awesome. He's awesome. Okay, so it's, it's a good, run. it's a good series. It's okay. it's I amazing. I haven't read it. I know I know of it. I'm gonna go get on my comicsology tonight and read it because this guy's just put me in the mood. Do okay. it. So, thank you. After so I finish watching the Dark Knight. <laughs> Thank you again for coming out. We appreciate it. My pleasure, boys. Be good. I am the knight. I am the knight.